Welcome back, Rage Nation. Got myself Pete here. That's yeah. not really exciting. You got Senior Dixon. I don't think that's appropriate. And you got Monsieur Leopard. Explorers deserved it. No. Absolutely. I was disgusted. I cannot believe they've done this. Why is wacky? Why is that good? It's just nonsense. I disagree on that. That's not possible. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on a mission. Yeah. Now, now we've got a whole new list of things to complain about. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. We got myself Pete here. We got uh, our boy Dixon, and we decided to go down to Texas, get us a little Tex-Mex with uh, with some Doug. Doug, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing great. How are you doing, Pete? And we're hanging in there. Dixon's, you know, in a sweatshop, but he's <laughs> he's surviving. There. I want to point out that we we need to get a little bit better at presenting. This is Doug Bowman. <laughs> not not Doug Broman. That, that's the other Doug. That, that's... I thought you got. I thought you guys like combined to make like a Super Doug. <laughs> we actually we we combined to make Super Doug at Gen Con. This actually happened during the double random rush journey. It was <laughs> nice. awesome. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do, and Doug. We're talking uh, today. We got another master that I know some people were asking Dixon about because Dixon loves his Neverborn and. We're going to be talking about Titania, so we'll get into her, and we'll also definitely dive deep into her title, which is the Autumn Queen. Before we get into that, make sure that you guys check us out on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. we got a Discord channel. I've had a couple of people email the Rage Quit Wire email asking for that link. So if you ever have a question about that, you can always email us or hit us up in any of the other social medias to get that link. Uh, we were... <laughs> We were having a 12 cups of coffee discussion today on the uh, Discord, so that was fun. Uh, basically saying, like, is it auto-include and which Bayou Masters do you, or models do you think it works well on? So that was definitely a fun conversation. Um, and then lastly, if you want to support us directly, make sure that you guys are uh, supporting us on patreon.com slash ragequitwire, where you can support us for as little as a dollar, especially since uh, Podbean is squeezing more money out of us now, apparently. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Not Podbean, sorry. Pod Squadcast. Podbean too, man. I think everybody's up in their prices. I'm like, this is digital content crap. How are you <laughs> making me pay more money? They have oh. they have to, you know, pay the uh the air conditioning bill. That's what it is. Yeah, to keep the servers not from not exploding or whatever. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and they, they got to protect them so that they're not, you know, crypto mining on them accidentally or something. Uh, yeah. And Doug, the, before we get into talking about Titania, I definitely wanted to give you a chance here to talk about uh, that Houston tournament that you guys are running in October. Um, I know, I think Nick was asking me, we're probably going to do at least a half episode on it. But I did want to kind of give you an opportunity here to plug it a little bit. Oh, heck yeah. I will plug the crap out of this whenever anyone wants to know. So coming up, we have the Lone Star Fowdown Malifaux GT taking place in Houston, Texas, October 7th through the 9th. So it's going to be at Dragon's Lair Comics and Fantasy here in Houston, the largest game store in Houston. That's awesome. Um, if anyone's been paying attention to the uh, U.S. faux tour stuff, um, the Lone Star meta has been the most active meta in the country for Definitely the, the most entire players. 
Oh, wait, well, not the most players. There's a slightly couple more players in other places, but we've had the most uh, events. We do uh, one tournament a month at Dragon's Lair Houston, and we recently started doing a second monthly tournament over in Austin. So we're having, you know, on average, one and a half tournaments per month. So if you ever get down to Houston, second Saturday of every month. But conveniently, the second Saturday, well, the second weekend in October, we are having the Lone Star Fowdown Malifo GT. So this will be our inaugural GT there. Uh, Dragon's Lair Houston recently expanded their space to be absolutely fucking beautiful. That we can hold uh, seven, we've got room for 70 players in there. Whoa. Without being asked to elbows. It's absolutely insane. Uh, we can fit a total of, I believe, 30 plus on like higher topped uh, tables intended for miniatures gaming. And we can then, if we need more, they've got uh, private game rooms that have a nice little setup there. That's where I was planning on setting up a couple of streaming uh, people. Mm. I know that the uh, guys from, I think, Danger Planet want to come down and do some streaming for us. Also, we've got a local guy there who is set up to do some streaming. So if you can't make it to Lone Star Fowdown, you can watch some streaming of it there. But you know what? You should make it anyways. It is. <laughs> I mean, what else are you doing that weekend? It is a, a three-day weekend for a lot of people. That Monday is uh, Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day, whichever one you get the day off for wherever you are. But, you know, hey, you don't have to worry about getting home because day off on Monday. Uh, Friday, we are running. Uh, we've got open gaming all day long. And then in the evening, we're doing a henchman hardcore tournament. Then Saturday and Sunday is the main event with uh, a GT. Starting on Saturday, finishing out on Sunday. Um, but yeah, tickets are available now on topdugdesign.com slash events. So Top Doug Design, that's my personal business. And I'm running the, uh, I'm taking this on as part of my business there. Uh, tickets are available now. $55 includes both the Henchman Hardcore Open Gaming and the Grand Tournament. We've got some awesome sponsors, uh, Dragon's Lair Comics and Fantasy. Obviously, they are where we are located at. Uh, Mats by Mars is an official sponsor for us. Every single mat in the tournament is provided by Mats by Mars. And I actually got a couple custom ones made up for us there because uh, uh, Mario and Alex are good friends of mine. We also have Heroic Scale Gamers, who's the local streaming guys who are working on getting into some more Malifaux live streams there. We have a great discount booked at the Courtyard by Marriott, which is right around the corner from uh, Dragon's Lair. It's maybe about a five minutes walk. And it's a 15% off discount when booked through the link on the topdugdesign.com slash events. So it's not a block. It's just a straight discount. So the makes it easier. Yeah, there's no block to sell out. And so this is so Heroic Scale Gamers is the sponsor that is providing that because they also do uh, content for 40K and other games. And so they run other tournaments there. 
And the more people who book through it and the more events we have using that uh, link, the larger the percentage grows over time. Hmm. So we're just getting this started. So it's 15% this year. But if we get it big enough, maybe next year it'll be 20%. Yeah. Is the event just for uh, Malifaux or is there other tabletop games going on? So this is just for Malifaux. The, um, I've been trying to jump on with another local tournament, another local uh, convention for other war games and stuff. Um, unfortunately, last year, they scheduled it the weekend after Gen Con. People aren't going to travel for that. No. This year, they scheduled it two weekends after Nova Open. Tip. And with Nova Open being the national championship for the USFO Tour and then kicking off the USFO Tour for the next season, people aren't going to travel two weeks later. Nope. <laughs> or, I mean, if they are, it's not going to be as many as we want. Yeah. So I checked the schedule as much as I could. Didn't look like there was anything going on the second weekend of October. And, you know, I'm pulling the trigger. I've been wanting to run a big Texas event for a while. There's a lot of stuff that happens out on the East Coast. There's stuff that happens up in Chicago. Um, I run the GT at Las Vegas Open for Malifaux. And, but there hasn't been something kind of centrally located. And so we've been trying to get something going for a few years. And you know what? Just pulled the trigger on it. Because now that we've got this absolutely amazing space of Dragon's Lair, I don't need to jump onto another convention to get a space. Yeah, and with uh, Gaining Grounds 3 out now, are you guys uh, putting a pool together for those events? or? Yeah, so I was going to wait until after uh, Nova Open released their package. Okay. So that I don't end up having a... a pool. Identical pool. <laughs> exactly like Nova Open. So when it comes to running tournaments, um, I can be quite anal retentive on my Stratton Scheme pools. I have actually got a full-on spreadsheet where I track the Stratton scheme pools for our local tournaments month to month to month to make sure that we are getting an even distribution of all the strategies, all the schemes. Because in a, you know, your normal uh, weekend three-round uh, three tournament, there's going to be 15 schemes. So every single scheme should be played at least once, and only two of them should repeat. But I track it so that the ones that are repeating are not repeating as often. Yeah, I get crazy deep into the data on this to make sure that everything is getting evenly represented to get the most um, fair tournament possible. Yeah, I definitely think that's important because if you make it lean too heavy one way, that can really open the door for like a certain type of crew to come in and just steamroll the whole tournament. Well, I was talking to some of my local guys who are big on the Vassal scene. They do a lot in the uh, Vassal World series. So uh, Andre and Brian, uh, two guys who are super highly ranked players on there. And uh, like Andre ended up getting second place at Gen Con. Yeah, kind of, I'm kind of a fan of Brian, to be honest. I keep mentioning Brian, his name in the podcast. <laughs> Brian's a buddy of mine. He, he knows what he's doing, and uh, he's a good guy, too. Uh, honestly, uh, as far as uh, people go, I would I love to play against Andre and Brian. Even if they kick my teeth in, I have a fun time doing it. <laughs> That's not all. You know, sometimes you can get your teeth kicked in, and it just is not a fun time. But sometimes, you know, someone can absolutely kick your ass, 
and have a great time. And so Brian and Andre are two of those guys who I don't mind losing to. Now, I love beating them when I can, but I don't mind if I lose to them. Well, cool. So let's see here. It is, so since it's a two-day event, is that five rounds you guys are doing then? Five rounds is the plan, yeah. Um, we do have, if we have above 32, I'm kicking around the idea of doing six rounds. But that's sort of the, I'm effectively going to lock it once no, you know, lock in the the rounds in the schedule once uh, Nova Open kicks off and I've got the um, pools from there just to make sure that I can, you know, have the schedule firmed up and all that. Oh, oh the other thing I forgot to mention is that Dragon's Lair, they just recently had the grand opening of their tabletop tavern there. Nice. So there is beer. You can drink beer while you are playing Malifaux, and it is beer allowed is in the gaming area. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We, they have we, a uh, really good beer we, selection. Yeah, I was gonna say we've been to a couple like uh, Darby's Dungeon in Jacksonville. Oh. They got their they got their license to sell beer, and it's it was super fun playing Brewmaster too, and just like drinking a Guinness. Oh, that was smashed. awesome. Yeah, that's actually yep. one of the, the few things that I miss from. Malifaux V1, we used to drink uh, in Adapticon and like a few events that we had like in South Carolina and stuff like that. This is way, 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 way back in the day. And then that stopped for a while for some reason. And then we picked it up again in Guild Bowl. So I'm very happy (laughs) we're getting back to that in Malifaux. Those team (laughs) tournaments and 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 like championships we had in like North Carolina, South Carolina for Guild Bowl, we would just be at these breweries playing because, you know, when you... And I actually, I'd like to do something like that with Malifaux yeah. eventually where we can play in a brewery. Or not in a brewery, but, you know, a brewery or a bar. Yeah. I don't basic, care. <laughs> Bring it and back. it's a three-by-three three table, so it's like, yeah, let's just, you know, do this at a bar. Let's, you know, kick a bunch back. And it you end up getting sometimes drunk and making bad decisions. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was one time where I went in with, uh, it was Ulfer Dixon, so this doesn't mean much to anybody who didn't play Guild Ball. Mm. But I basically went in after I kicked off the ball I went in, stole the ball, tackled it away, and I had a one-die shot for a goal, and I was drunk, so I was like, we're doing it. And I threw it and totally nailed the goal, and I was like, <laughs> just awesome. I hope you're running around the bar going, goal! There, there might have been some of that. Yeah, you'd be shocked how many how many times we have that. But, like, in Malifaux, we didn't even have to do any stupid, crazy stuff like that, but it was there was a lot of... Fuck it. I'm just going to cheat this and stone it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> I'm going to kill this model. I don't care. I, don't care what they... <laughs> I remember d- doing stuff where, uh, similar to that, uh, playing a brew hammer, where, you know, you're playing a game of like Warhammer or whatever. But sure. if, you, if you're able to just, you know, down a beer, you're able to drop it on the table as a piece Make of it terrain. terrain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember people playing that and like putting putting beers around like a land raider so it couldn't move. <laughs> So then it was just considered destroyed. Yep. Oh, the... but, but you had to chug that beer. I mean, it's not just you had oh, yeah. to finish the beer. It's like, no, 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 I got to down this right now. Okay, there we go. And there was many livers that died for the cause. It's true. It's true. <laughs> All right. But it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. A- anything else you want to share about that, Doug? Uh, but yeah, it seems like a fun event. Tickets are available now. Um, the sooner you book tickets, the better, you know, uh, stuff I can get going for it because all it, down it, price all too. Pri- it, this is the first year I'm running this. It is all processed uh, through 
Top Dug Design, which is uh, my 3D printing business. I uh, design terrain and 3D print terrain. Uh, if you are you, uh, are you all going to do like a uh, like a swag bag, or are you doing some kind of raffle? Like what y'all trying to do for prize support? So doing some swag bag, doing some uh, trophies and stuff. Uh, we will have the largest hats because you know, They're like a 10, 10, 10 drum. <laughs> well, you know, because Texas is you know, uh, you know, things are bigger in Texas, and sure. there's you know, hey, the biggest hat thing with the Gremlins. If you look at the logo that we have for the foe down. It's this awesome little gremlin with a big old Texas belt buckle and a gigantic big hat. So, you know, kind of the tagline I've been using for the Lone Star foe down is who has the biggest hat. I mean, it's summer, right? Biggest hat as a uh, trophy there. Uh, I'm going to have a nice swag back. Working on getting it all put together, uh, reaching out to... Uh, more people about prize support. Hey, if you, and if you want to reach out to me and say, hey, I want to throw some prize support at you, uh, you can email me at Doug at topdougdesign.com. And uh, yeah, I will gladly take any prize support. Y'all throw it in the kitty. Heck yeah. <laughs> I will, you know, talk you up to everyone because that is what I do. I love, love, love any sponsors we get. There you go. So getting into the rest of this, though, you are a fan of Titania. I'm uh, a big fan of Titania. Did Long you, live the queen. Did you play her like all the time at Gen Con? Were you just dropping her the whole time? I played her all three rounds at Gen Con. Ooh, Doug, did you get one of those icon- iconic uh, Titania models then? I did. Nice. I haven't painted it up yet. So uh, the Titania I normally run, I actually run the alt Titania, the one that's posed like the Titania from the old school uh, first edition Fate deck. Okay. So I've got her. Uh, I also run the, you know, the Autumn Queen. I've never actually painted up the standard Titania model just because I liked the alt Titania model better. Yeah, I I love this iconic series they're doing with these. I like the bust, the pseudo bust that they're doing, and then the sculpt that they're doing with it too. Just they're all really cool that I've seen so far. Yep, the uh, paint job. So they had all of them there at Gen Con painted up by Angel Geraldes. Oh, love Angel. Oh my God. Dude is super nice and pretty much one of the best painters out there right now. Yeah, he uh, painted a lot of Guild Ball stuff. So I was mm-hmm. happy to see him kind of start kicking some Malvo stuff uh, together. And so the uh, iconic Titania is really big. It looked big. It's like twice. The, so if you've seen the iconic Sonia. It's about twice yep. the height of the iconic Sonia. Whoa, that's crazy. I might be exaggerating, but it I think it's about that height. I could actually look it's at true. It. You are from Texas. You I'm, think everything's I, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I literally have, you know, iconic Sonia's yeah. over there, iconic Titania's in my, you know, Gen Con bag over <laughs> there. With my big old stack of all the things I got from Gen Con. Dixon, I know you were jelly when you saw that model. Oh yes. <laughs> You're like, oh I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm just like shocked at how good it looks just looking at the iconic models over here it looks like nicodemus well is in that so i believe that's actually an alternate version of lady justice no kidding so it's called uh, the uh each of them's got you know a different title i can't remember what the iconic titanium one's called but i know iconic sonia is scorch the soul because it's really like ah yeah. you're a uh witchling stalker now 
Well, unless I'm mistaken, the one that looks like Nicodem, so it's like Lady Nicodem, right? But it's Lady Justice because mm-hmm. it's the path not taken. Because we all know she's kind of a reser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the Death March shows are kind of resers, aren't we all? No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Sad face. We're not fans of the guild like you, sir. You won your first Malifaux tournament with guild, you cheater. It- it is true. That was, uh, some people would call it easy mode, right? No. Arcanist but, never born for me. But so looking at Titania, what are some of the things in general that you guys like about the keyword? What are some things, whether it's fluff, lore, or whether it's what they do on the table, what do you generally like about the crew? Well, so between Titania, you know, original recipe and, you know, new extra spicy Autumn Queen, I find myself. When I'm like, ooh, which one do I run? Which one do I run? I'm like, well, Autumn Queen. I'm just running the Autumn Queen almost exclusively since it dropped. Just because it is such a force multiplier. That it takes her minions that were, let's be honest, Autumn Knights are kind of meh. Until they're with the Autumn Queen. Yeah, until they're cracked out. (laughs) And they suddenly become absolutely insane it's a monster they're monsters it's if you're a melee crew you're not gonna have a fun time against that crew oh they're like hi hey, hi I'm, I'm the champion now are you gonna swing at me please please do oh i'm defense seven right now smack <laughs> yeah. you back yeah because built yeah. in parry built in it, I, I couldn't believe it when i read that it's like oh and you give them two suits it That's took you great. forever because i said it and you were like oh okay that sounds good but you, but then yeah, you poor played Lyra against it, okay yeah you played against <laughs> it and you're like attack all right parry get hit and you're like wait wait <laughs> and then just slowly don't I'm, <laughs> I'm in danger <laughs> you know what every game i've played with that you know and, and because you know we were playing an open information game uh, if someone hasn't played against Autumn Queen before, you know, I let them know what's going on there because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> and they still yeah. come at the, uh, they it, come at my champions. And go, you, hi, I'm gonna smack you. Like, no, you're you not. Really, you really don't understand it until you realize that they're stat seven and it's mm-hmm. built-in suits, and then you're taking like four damage on your own activation. It's only two <laughs> damage. It's just a two, two, three, four. You're talking about if you double severe or something like that. Sure, hey, it happens. I'm telling you, <laughs> and and if you I so, and I'll share this even though we're kind of just getting into it. But the frustrating part that to see it on the table is they are stat seven. So there are activations when you try to kill them in melee and you miss both attacks and you do take four or five damage. It happens. It's even more fun when you read Joker that oh. Harry flipped. Uh, oh, when so you say good. fun, I think you mean you're a bad person. It's so like the, the guy comes <laughs> charging. He's like, oh, okay, I'm going to deal with you. And like, bam. No, yeah. you're dead. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had moments that I felt bad about it. Like, for example, Ed. No, no, you didn't. No, I did. I actually did. Because I was playing. Uh, that was actually the tournament that you made that I went down there. I played against Ed, and I swear I did not deserve that. I was just like, I defend. I get the, the ram. Oh, look at that. Repost. Kill the model. that. I, oh, it was his master. I just felt bad. I was like, Jesus Christ. Dude, like the entire game, Ed had been like focusing down Titania and he failed to kill her. And then that happened to his master. That was it just demoralizing. So I was going to I was going to say, Dixon, I 
I don't know for sure, but I know you love the original version. Do you like her better than the title? Uh, so... Because you, you do mean things with the original. I, I absolutely love the original. You killed my pig-a-pole, you monster. <laughs> I killed your master. I remember pulling him in from your deployments on all the way back to my deployment, so it was hilarious. It made me say Yeah, but, like, no, the... Uh, that was actually our first game in Vassal, by the way, Doug. Like he was playing Wong, and he decided that it was a good idea. I, to I always, it. I always, I talk, I tried to tell him, it's like if you don't let me win, I'm never playing Vassal ever again. <laughs> anyway, so like, so back to the the thing. Uh, I yeah, no, I I love the brutality of the first one mechanically, so I still prefer the first one. But the second one, she's just so damn good at like staying at places. Like remember that we've been talking about like GG three is about you have to be at a place. And you mm. have to defend that place. So Titania 2 is just strictly better at that. At just strictly surviving. But Dixon, you do love yourself some awakened hunger attacks the and love attack just murdering people. Yeah. yeah, I say that. It's arguably the best attack in the game. For, to me, it is the best attack in the game. I don't That's know. A, well, that is a solid attack. Yeah, because yeah, I think when you... especially, It's one of those things, once again, where... I mean, you look at it and it's like, okay, it's 2, 4, 5... But you kind of don't realize you're also getting injured, and you don't realize that you're also probably in your brush markers or whatever the hell they're yeah, called. Because she can yeah. move them. So the first one can move them it, during her activation, and then she can trigger, and then her damage is the same as Lorelei, which is the sword for uh, what's her face, um, Nakima. Yep. So it's three, five, six. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, shit, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> that being said, though. And you're doing it from range, then. Correct. That being said, though, like, I love Titania for a completely dumb reason. I, I just love the look and, and where she came from. Because most of the reasons why I like certain models is where they come from. I love Colodi because he's Pinocchio. He literally, <laughs> 100%, Carlos Colodi wrote Pinocchio, which is where yep. the name Colodi came from. Titania is from A Midnight Summer's Dream, which is a Shakespeare play where King Oberon and Queen Titania are the you know the the basically the the lords of the fae and look at her crew her crew is literally like the the court of the fae it's insane i love it yeah they just they they were so they were designed so well in my opinion that that's the main reason why i always go back to it uh, if we shadows have offended think but this and all is mended that you did but slumber here while these visions did appear and this week an idle theme no more yielding but a dream <laughs> you had to go and quote it. You like looked it up. Uh, looked okay, like I have a degree in theater. Ah, I have a degree in <laughs> well, theater. So. Doug, I I hear that you're not using your papers for poetry, but for rolling doobies. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Bill funny. Shakespeare over there. <laughs> but hey, uh, yeah, I love Titania for I that's mean, awesome though. I didn't. I actually didn't know. I mean, I I know the name Titania, but I didn't know it was a direct reference from yep. that. So that's kind of cool. Yes, sir. Yep. Um, there's a bunch of things like that. Like last week, we talked about um, what well, Damien's keyword. I forget witness and witness, witness. is a hundred percent Hellraiser. It's just like holy that's crap! This is amazing. <laughs> so I do want to start with the because on and this is what I like and Doug. This is probably what you're loving in these tournaments too where the titles just let you play different pools. Like, it's like, oh, Titania 1 can't do this, but Titania 2 can totally do this. Oh, yeah. So looking at, let's start with Titania 1. She's definitely flying around all willy-nilly. She's moved 6. She has a good willpower 7. 
so she's definitely wanting to deal damage, especially at range, and she does have melee as well. But what is she trying to do in a in a pool and in a game versus what kind of crew are you bringing with her? So uh, Titania too tend to uh, she makes the most out of her minions, and so if it's a something where I want a lot of activations. Definitely bringing Titania 2 because uh, I will tend to have Titania 2, uh, two Autumn Knights, two Walled Geists, the Gorar, and then a beater to be determined. So that's really where Titania 2 uh, shines is she makes everything better. She's okay, good, so but she makes everything better. What? So one has to bring then what independent models since, since she's kind of flying around doing her own thing. She looks she's, yeah, she's going to be getting in there. Um, a lot of times you want something that might be able to heal her. Um, honestly, most of my experience running Titania one has been in a dual master situation. Uh, hmm, that's interesting. Oh, okay. So I love running the crew. Now, it may not be the most competitive crew, but it is the most fun crew known to mankind <laughs> because it's Titania with Marcus. Yep. Because mm -hmm. then Titania can bring the Malasaurus Rex. Yep. It's the invisible and Marcus flying can, dragon. The invisible <laughs> flying dragon. that, Because quite frankly, it's a dinosaur you can mutate. I don't care if it's effective. It's, it's a dinosaur you can mutate. That's fun. That I just seems it. like it's on brand. Yeah. It's delightful. It's actually very competitive. I've won plenty of like tournaments or not tournaments, sorry, uh tournament games that are no so you're, you're giving the upgrade that gives it stealth. No, you give it yeah. all of the upgrades, not just you're giving it stealth. flying. <laughs> yeah. You're giving it armor. Yeah. And what's the other one for Marcus? Well, so you start him out with stealth, damage. Because since you can only do uh chimerancy on him once per turn. Right. I uh, I start him out with stealth. Which is huge for it because it's a bullet magnet. <laughs> it's a bullet magnet. I mean, yes, it's, you know, terrifying 12 and hard to wound and uh, 12 wounds, but it's only defense and willpower 7. So if you've got, you know, I always double check, okay, where's Ruthless on the board? Keep the dinosaur away from that. Because he <laughs> really relies man. on his terrifying. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Of. But if you've got that um, natural camouflage, which gives him uh, disguised in stealth, so not only can they not uh, target him for more than six inches away, they also can't charge him. That seems pretty good. So that's nice. So that's that's what I always start out by putting on the Rex. And then I will usually give him flight because, you know, move six dinosaur, which makes him charge of eight with a two-inch reach. He's going to reach out and touch someone and not yeah, in a nice way. helps a lot. Oh, yeah. And butterfly jump. Which is and butterfly jump insanely good on him because if you gave him inhuman reflexes and they cheat at any point in time on the attack, he gets to move five inches. That's dumb. Yep. <laughs> well, wings plus. So when they nerfed uh, inhuman reflexes by removing butterfly jump from that and turning it to scamper, it was a stealth buff for Marcus because. I always, you know, I liked Inhuman Reflexes already because it, you know, gives you the the Blade Rush and Mobile Warrior if you're putting it on a minion. Where, you know, can charge while engaged, you charge through somebody, you get, you know, you plink them for a damage. Yep. That's delightful. 
But then, you know, oh, butterfly jump. Well, suddenly I had two ways to give models butterfly jump. And it <laughs> felt like a little bit of a waste. But then, hey, lo and behold, they removed butterfly jump because of Andre and Nakima. <laughs> this, they saw that at uh, Las Vegas Open. The oh, yeah, I remember. He, he, he wrecked people. Was yeah. that, you, you have that on a man. You got butterfly jump on a master with a two-inch engagement range. Yep. Like, hey, I hit you. Okay. That is... That is one of the things that when the weird people are there and they see like some gross things that are kind of like, it shouldn't work that way. Right. They're like, okay, we're going to get rid yep. of that. Yeah, I can personally yep. tell you that's never a good thing. They're like, oh, I'm going to do some horrific things. Who are you again? Oh, I'm the guy that makes the rules. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they before that they'd said, hey, well, on paper it didn't look as bad as it was, but it's the, hey, two-inch engagement range and you're Anything you do to them is like, okay, I'm just going to scoot away from you so that you can no longer smack me in the face. Or, oh, you're shooting at me? Sweet. I'm going to scoot towards you so then I'm going to engage you and then you can't keep shooting me. Yeah, and it sounds like probably Titania won since she is wanting to get up there and kill stuff and probably bringing some more elite stuff. Definitely sounds like better probably at the killing pools yes. than uh, mm -hmm. than Titania. Too. Also, it's kind of funny because like we've been talking about human reflexes, but Titania flips so many cards attacking and damage and all that stuff that usually I put our ancient pack because of that because she inadvertently because she's flipping so many cards she flips yep. my Joker. So it, well, it's yeah. well, yeah, because yeah. she gets a positive to the duel on her range attack. Right? Yeah, she gets a positive to the duel. She oftentimes she's flipping three cards on the damage if you're not focusing. So yeah, it, it just becomes a, a a losing battle if you flip that black joker. So might as well put ancient pact on her. I also like to put ancient pact on Marcus because he can only target a model once per turn. Yes. with Chimerancy. Oh, and nothing sucks more than. Black Jokering, yeah. the putting the upgrade you need to put onto the dinosaur. Yeah, man, it's tough being a Neverborn player, let me hey, tell you. Hey, I know. I'm just saying, I did that now with Barkus. Barkus is significantly better. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I need to actually get Barkus to the table more often. I had to back off of him because we had a bunch of new players. Gotcha. So I had to start, you know, playing other things. I just shoved Von Schill up his butt and tore him apart. <laughs> oh. Be like, how do you like robots, Marcus? <laughs> I don't know. Not like the robots. Uh, Honestly, I don't know how you did that, but I would like to play a game against you because of that. Because I was like, well, you you know, I play Von Schill too, and I play pretty aggro. Yes. So I, you I mean Iron Man, Iron Man, yeah, pretty much. Yes. Well, and you know, it's just. It works out well when I can just go do some attacks on like Barkus and stuff, and then you know yeah. leap on well, back to safety. Getting back to like Titania with all uh, oh, right. We're oh yeah, about Titan is this the Titania yeah. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. Like this actually makes sense because like this is one of the matchups that I would throw Titania into because everybody's like, oh, she you, she doesn't do well against armor. It's like I don't know about you, but like things that have armor usually are not very good against Asmodeus terrain, and it's true. the emissary. Yep. In Neverborn plus Titania usually means you're gonna take a shitload of the terrain. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that I've especially with Titania yes. and also with the other version, there's a lot of I can move you out of position as well. So those like you know staunch bubble crews like Hoffman or Von Schill that like to like 
armor up and we're going to hang out here. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to move this model this way and I'm going to throw that underbrush at you. And, you know, I have, you have now two injured. If, if you don't get out of my sight before I activate these two beaters that I have behind me, that model is dead more than likely, no matter what it is. <laughs> yep. And, well, and the uh, Into Thorns is one of those triggers where it's the it's surprising how much you can move models around with that. Because yes. they just have to be within within two inches of an underbrush marker, which is a 50 mil marker. So let's say they're on the far side of the underbrush marker. Well, then you move them. That's a huge leap. Well, there. Doug, yes. let me tell you a story, right? So... <laughs> I was trying to play Hamlin because, you know, I like rats. And Chris was playing Titania. So <laughs> let's just say that I barely moved out of my deployment zone to start setting up some rat things. Uh. And then, uh, yeah, Titania kidnapped Hamlin and I wasn't near stolen anymore and I died. Yep. Yep. That's and, and what I did third round at Gen Con. Made me sad in the pants. I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, Hamlin. It's not funny. It is hilarious. <laughs> Hamlin has nihilism, <laughs> but he's then losing two cards per attack. Yeah. So even mm-hmm. if he were to cheat, he's still matching with her attack and losing And you're still a getting card. placed. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, this is going to suck badly. It's like, yes. Yes, it is going to suck badly. <laughs> Stop killing him. He's already dead. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> also, by the way, another thing that happens that you were describing, you... You can place the person on the far end, then move that uh, underbrush marker to the opposite side with her zero action, <laughs> do one damage to them, do it again, flip them uh, closer to you, and then now they're within range of uh, life leech. It's the best well, thing ever. <laughs> and you guys know better than me, this keyword seems to be really good about out of activation movement no. mm-hmm. and moving its pieces and moving other pieces around. Are you talking about offensive uh, moving yes. pieces? Uh, it's only Titania. Honestly, the Autumn Queen, which is Titania 2, she's significantly better at making her crew do it. Well, if the uh, Autumn Knights have got the upgrade, the uh, Titania's chosen uh, upgrade on them, because then they will get the built-in Ram on Crow on all of their duels... So that's, you know, defensive and offensive. So they'll get the end of thorns built in. Or if you really need it, and let's say you've got, you know, that red in your hand and you want it, they also get puncture built in then. Yep. So it's yeah. into thorns or puncture. So dumb. Yes. If you happen to throw that onto a Waldgeist, which I do from time to time, if I really need to move someone out of position, yep. they get, then they get built in their um, heave trigger, which is place them anywhere within three inches of the model or delay, which, you know, giving out slow, that's big. That, you know, takes up, like, you know, an, why? A, an, action, why? an action. Cause then you're just throwing stuff into like your stupid markers and problems. Hey, man. Well, one of, one of my favorite things uh, that I've done with a Waldgeist and the, um, and heave. So start, you know, turn one, uh, my opponent was, you know, being all a little bit cagey, kind of wandering around. It's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, walk up and I'm going to get into this forest so I can see through it and take a shot at you. I'm oh, like, no. Okay. So the wall That's a guy, terrible idea. He had not played against a walled guy before. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson today, Walker. And so I charged. <laughs> We're going to learn you today, boy. We're going to learn, Walker. So I charged. <laughs> and I'm just put, you know, just charge, just dipping my toe into the same forest as him. Go okay, heave, yoinked him 12 inches across the board, 
<laughs> right into the middle of my um, crew oh, that had, most of whom had not activated yet. Now, I ended up killing off that. Um, it was just a death marshal. Ended up killing them all. Fair. Oh, no. And ultimately, yeah, it wasn't, you know, okay, killing them all will turn one. Okay, whatever. But it also played that psychological game where he was avoiding every piece of terrain like the plague the entire game. Well, it just Doug, mind-fucked it, him. Yeah. It's very much like the Wizard of Oz with the angry trees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go to just pick a little apple. Like, you just want an apple to nibble on. And they're like, hey, how like if I pick an apple off of you? And then they eat you across yeah. the board. I mean, another another like, model. Oh, shit, where'd Jim go? Oh, man, Jim was just here, man. Where'd he go, man? Dude, the Angry trees, trees grabbed him. The trees grabbed him, man. Oh, fuck, we're not going into the trees uh, anymore. So uh, the reason, by the way, that, that I love this conversation is another model that I always bring from outside of keyword because it fits everything that she wants to do is the Kurgan. And... The Kurgan also has the same ability. He literally can, well, the Kurgan, the Emissary, and the Wall Guys. All three of them have that ability. A lot of pain. And there's constantly, like, you know, going to be forests all over the place, the underbrush markers or any of that yep. stuff. So it's insane. One of the things that you can do with Titania 2 is you can have the Kurgan do the mudslide, charge something, and then for the rest of the turn, every Wall Guys that charges within the three-inch aura of the Kurgan can hit anything inside of it. Oh, nice. It's so yeah. nuts. <laughs> it's one of my personal things that I that I tried out. I still love the Knights, so it's kind of hard to fit both of them together. How do you guys feel about the Aramanthian boar? Because I've seen it on certain boards, and especially with Titania, too, because she seems to just puke out underbrush markers. Just that boar, just like, oh, I moved an inch. I'm going to go ahead and teleport over, what is it, six inches or something? Yes. But it has to move into the terrain. If it's already in the terrain, it doesn't get to teleport. What? No, read, read the card. It no, says, I read the card, but like, I I thought that anytime you move inside of it, it still counts as moving through it. It doesn't say in, it says moves into. So it doesn't get the leap mm-hmm. unless it wasn't in that piece of ser- severe terrain beforehand. Tracking. Okay, well, I mean, that's a little thing, yeah. but it's still, I can see it coming yeah, up yeah. like it that. It is yeah. in technicality. But it is still stupid mobile. Oh, yeah. When you have Titania 2 just pooping out markers. I need to be more careful with my positioning now, but like that that still doesn't erase because like even when we found out how the uh the reducing damage works i adjust it and i'm still bringing the boar with ulix and honestly in the beast version of titania 2 that i played uh the damage is insanely high and protecting those two rougarou is like top notch the the boar is just insanely good so i'm just saying i, I still love that boar so i i like the boar in theory it has not made its way to very many of my lists yet. It's sort of the, I mean, it's a its a cost seven. So that's, you know, replacing one of the Autumn Knights. And as we said, the Autumn Knights are really, really awesome. They're insane. I also tend, so most of the time I'm bringing two Autumn Knights and two Waldgeist. Because, so at least two of the strategies, you have to be on a specific position at the end of the turn. Planted Roots is so good for that. Yes. So having, you know, a, you know, two Waldgeists and probably the um, the Emissary going to those points, you know, either for um, guard the stash or covert operations, being able to where they can't knock you off that point makes it 
that much easier to score because there's a lot of things that can move you offensively to knock you off that point. You think, oh, I'm here, I'm ready to go. And they're like, nope, I'm going to bump you one inch. And it's like, well, crap, these things, they can't be bumped that one inch. And then, oh, you want to activate nearby the wild guys? Okay, discard a card or gain stunt. The one thing about the Autumn Queen that I did notice is it starts getting really nasty on her card when you start doing things like the coordinated attacks um, with her bloody command. And uh, what was the other thing? The third law. Third law. Yeah, the third law is so good. Third law is insane because it's range stun. And it's targeting movement. So it's, it can get around so many defensive triggers. It's insane. Yeah, and it also, you have, like, Into the Thorns trigger, which is great. And you, also have Be- and you also have Beckon, which is great. You don't sound very uh, happy here. This is how things die. <laughs> I mean, personally, I love hitting the... It's not easy, because you have to at least match their number. But I love hitting the third law on any of the writers, because... Once you do that, the oh. riders just oh. melt, just straight up melt. Riders Terrible. get stunned. Well, you and you say that, and I played Levy two into the Autumn Queen. In the arms, it was not good. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you stunned like three of my riders." Oh, they have unimpeded. Well, unimpeded doesn't get around half of this terrain, so <laughs> get wreck, get wreck nerd, get wreck nerd. Yeah, but that coordinated, because then what was happening is you get the Autumn Knights attacking out of their activation, so they get plus one to that stat, and the suits, and I'm just, good lord, the violence. Yep. (laughs) Absolutely violence. And then if they do manage to get to you, something that uh, Titania 2 has that is really, really nice. She's got the um, no-flip healing that cleansed by the wood. Where it's, you know, no flips for it, range six. But, I mean, you got your champion upgrades out there. She's taking uh, actions basically anywhere on the board. Because you got your three little bubble, you know, you got your Titania bubble. You got one champion bubble on turn one. After that, you've got, you know, two champion bubbles running around. And so you effectively can do most anything Titania wants to do nearly anywhere on the board. And... That cleansed by the wood. So first you end a condition on the target. So condition removal with no flip. Awesome. Yep. You then heal them too and give them shielded. Yep. It's three health basically. Every time I've used cleanse in the wood, I just it feels so good. It just feels so like I I don't know how many more models should have this ability or something like this. I don't know if it makes sense. Well, and remember, if because uh, of the way that uh, bonus actions or things like slow work, right? Um, Clint, she does cleanse by the wood on herself. Well, suddenly, oh, she doesn't give a shit about stunned or slow anymore. It's like I'm gonna cl- you, like you do something nasty to Titania. Oh, well, I'm just gonna remove that condition and heal and shield it, and then you know just not care about your stuff anymore. <laughs> It's, it is, I mean, having that without a flip is delightful. Yep. Now she's incredible. Like she's not a melee monster or or a beat stick as, you know, she was before, but like she is such a good support model. Yes. I, I do want your opinion on a couple of models because 
as a player that has played occasionally against this keyword, I don't, these two models I haven't seen a ton, but you have the Boltungan, which got a buff, and then you also have the Roguru. So I was just wondering how often you guys bring those two and if you like them in one versus the other as far as titles goes. So the Boltungan, I tried on the table a few times shortly after uh, Autumn Queen came out. They, they seem a little underwhelming when I look at them. Yeah. They're, uh, I mean, they're five cost, so, you know, they're a lower cost model. But, and, and move six is not bad, and hard to kill isn't bad. But they're only defense five, willpower four. And... They don't, I mean, I don't want to throw one of my champion upgrades on a five cost model, especially when it doesn't really have good triggers to make use of those built in suits with. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they need, they needed a RAM there. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's been different from my experience, but I also did not get, you know, to go to Gen Con and the crap out of a whole bunch of sharks so <laughs> but like yeah no my experience with him has been incredibly good in, in savage and fine in titania 2 specifically because when he is uh you know with the febrile terrain if you're in severe terrain or within one inch of pa impassable you get cover right so you do plus one from cover and defense plus one from titania's uh, uh champion upgrade you just have to be within six inches of a champion and then all of a sudden his 16 inch movement becomes like problematic because like last activation, you activate the Batungan and he bolts 16 inches into a, you know, a straight line and you could not remove him beforehand. If all you have is guns, that's been my experience. Yeah. yeah I think it's like, it does depend on matchup. Cause Correct. I think guns probably just take him out. No, They're, he's defense seven and cover. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you still can be taken out. Oh, absolutely. But, like, you have a minus flip to hit him. He's defense 7 against guns, and he's movement 16, so you don't even have to be near the fight. Now, second turn, I usually see one or two activations going his way. But by then, he probably did his job, just, like, distracting enough people into you, you know, go. Maybe just try to make it as inconvenient to kill them as exactly. possible. Exactly. And that's actually what happened to me. Like, he's won me a couple of games just because he gets me, like, two VPs early in the game. It seems like what I used to do with Bert, where it's like, if you don't kill him, he's going to score me, like, three that's points. That's exactly right. Except this guy only counts for five points. And he, you don't yeah, need know, anything right? else. <laughs> I actually, looking at the Roguru, though, I actually kind of like this model because, I mean, it has Deadly Pursuit, which is good for, like, just random scoring and stuff. Yeah. Um, it has the triggers that you would want for the upgrades. It, not not defensively, but offensively. Yeah. It does have Puncture and Into the Thorns. Um, and you have Shrug Off, I guess, in case you get a condition. I guess. I don't know. Mm, I don't know about you, Doug, but, like, my experience with them has been meh. I tend to so i tend to run a rougarou when i was doing uh the titania marcus list right just because it's it's a fey and a beast so you know marcus can mutate it which makes it a little more defensible but in that list i have been eyeballing dropping the the boar in there yep. instead of the rougarou just because one cost cheaper and does a little bit more yes but with titania 2 it does get the buff because it is a minion so it's it's a it's a beefy minion. Yep. So there's that, but it's still that. It's like, 
but the autumn nights are so good. I I'm I'm gonna bring the they no, are it, it's they that are tough pick there. So I I try because like I remember when when uh, when I started with Autumn Queen, I I tried out multiple lists. I started reading people's opinions, and there was a list that they call the Beast list, which is you know Malasaurus Rex, the fucking Rougarous, and the Boar, and the entire idea of the list was you load up the ever-living crap out of the Rougarous, send them forward, and they hit like tons of bricks. Well, every now and then when I played it, that happened, but it wasn't consistent. So I didn't like the list, and that's why I figured maybe Doug tried it, but yeah. I haven't tried it with uh, the Autumn Queen. Right. It's sort of that, well, maybe if I need to, like, let's say it's breakthrough on corner deployment. Right. And the other schemes are crap. So, you know, okay, Rougarou, maybe drop an Inhuman Reflexes on him. Because one of my favorite things about Inhuman Reflexes is that it's amazing on Scheme Runners. Because like, oh, I'm going to engage your Scheme Runner. They can't go and run Schemes. Like, okay, I'm just going to charge. Charge through, yeah. <laughs> and sure, they're going to charge away from you, and they won't get the attack on it. But, you know, they'll charge through you, plink you for one, and then they'll just keep going on their merry way. They're like, hi, it, um... You were trying to be a speed bump, but I don't yep. care. Also, they have shrug off, which interestingly mm-hmm. enough, they they survive stupid things like, "Oh, you're on fire, I'm gonna remove it." Oh, you have stun, so you can't get triggers. I'm gonna remove it. Like it's it's surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then if uh, if you throw a champion upgrade on a Ruguru, you know, hey, it's gonna be getting that puncture, which is never puncture's not bad. Getting that plus flip on the damage. Yep. You're gonna be more likely to spike up into that four six damage. Yep. So that's nice. And then, you know, into thorns. So it's push them two inches. And then, you know, also, you know, push drop them into an underbrush marker. That's always fun. Oh yeah. If they have like the the, the biggest damage that I did with them was that it was like into thorns, red joker. For eight damage. That was just like, Jesus, take the wheel. What just happened? <laughs> Sounds terrible. Oh, they, no, they hit like brick, like like shipwreck house if you have a uh, focus and you're not fighting against something that has hard wound. That's it. Other than that, like, I just, I, the knights are just so much more efficient at like fighting a, a larger group of models that mm-hmm. I, I had to stop playing. I, I think I played like four games with the beast list and I was like, I'm not impressed. I'm sorry. So while Gaining Grounds 3, it, it is a little bit more aggressive than Gaining Grounds 2. Yeah. The, in, the, in the fact that, you know, hey, we've actually got cursed objects. So if Gaining Grounds 2 had no strategies, we're killing anything scored you points. Also true. That's actually there one were... of the gripes that uh, Chris had. It's like, there yep. is no killing uh, mission. Give me a killing mission. Yep, and so yeah, well, it's like I was like, well, if you kill them, they can't score points. Like, yeah, but I'm not. I'm that's killing to prevent, not killing to score. Right. And so I like that you know there's cursed objects back in the pool there, but then with you know guard the stash and covert operation, having um, something that can't be knocked off a point is really really nice. Yeah. And being able to knock things off of points is awesome too. Well, yeah, I think that I think that's even better than it was for like corrupted ley lines mm-hmm. because I think it I think this this GG it is more important to be in areas. Yes, yeah. big time. Also engaging people. Uh, so I noticed I, I had a game against Chris when he was playing Damien, and 
if you're not able to engage because you have like a gun, you know, just like the dabblers, dabblers don't have oh, yeah. gunfight or anything. So that was a, a thing. that was a problem. Like one, he couldn't move me from the point. Or, uh, I'm sorry, if I had a wall, guys, he wouldn't be able to move me from the point. I was playing Ulix, and what he did was, like, he went around me, pushed me off the point, and then just sit there. But then I immediately realized, like, oh, I just have to engage him, and then he can't get the point. So that's, like, a yep. combination of a couple of things you have to do in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely holding also actions and activations where it's, like, at the end of the turn, you can clean up positioning and be like, okay, I'm going to move my model five this way, yep. your model two that way. Multiple, being fast enough to do multiple points and do that, insane for this uh, this season. Yep. Well, and the whole people forget that Waldgeist and the Emissary have planted roots. So they're, they're so counting bad. on like, okay, you know, I'm going to knock them off that point. You know, I got this thing where I'm going to move you. I'm like, nope. nope. Till you get obeyed because obeys for jerks. Yeah. I hate that they did that change, you rat bastards. I still think Obey should be like, you should still be able to deny Obey with Planet Roots and uh, with Line Coat and Laugh Off. No. No. Yes. Yes. No. Just Planet Roots. <laughs> nope. Laugh Off Just too. Planted roots. Laugh Off too. <laughs> but to be it. fair, running Zoraida as a second master with Titania 2 is also fun. Who hurt you? Dude, running <laughs> Probably so, Andre. Running Sarita, Sarita 1 on any master, like double master, it's so sweet. Because like she just the gives Texas, you more actions. The Texas meta has made Doug spiteful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a very nice guy. Come and on. by the way, the the, uh, the Zoraida with Titania 2, that, I cannot claim that as my own idea. One of the Austin guys came up with that. I'm like, oh yeah, this looks like fun. Well, so because the uh, she's got the Titania's aura of the hey my models outside of their activation get plus one on all duels. I was like, <laughs> okay, what's ways to get more things outside of my activation? Good Go, Lord. oh right. Well, if I obey those Autumn Knights, <laughs> they will. That not only do they get you know that stat seven, but because it's obey, they actually get the trigger on that first attack. Sure, in Sorcerer they don't get any triggers, but suddenly. Stamp seven with built-in yeah. thorns. Um, that's delightful. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> oh, so good. And yeah, so, and I will say that uh, after listening to Cody's last episode on Swamp Fiends, I'm a little less, maybe not a little less, but I'm I'm more open to double masters. He had an episode where he kind of broke it down and explained why he likes it and some mm. you know ways that it's good, but it's also can be bad for when you play them. So I was like. All right, that makes me hate you less, Cody, but that's fine. No. So the reason, so I like Double Masters in that, so I feel like it has been fixed with the errata where they said, and now there's the step where you choose the second ma another master, and there is the maximum number of soul stones you can spend on masters. Because there were people who were doing crazy three master lists, and it's like, okay, that's getting a little bit ridiculous. Now, technically yeah. you can still do that with the Vix, but that's kind of their thing. But the Vicks have to be the master. Yeah, and when I see that that my opponent declares a second master, that's it's good, like you said, because it does kind of give you that like, okay, this is a different kind of game, right? Like I have to I have to bring stuff to deal with two masters and this one might counter something I'm doing and maybe I can bring some tech to, you know, take care of that. So mm. that does help because when they didn't have that, there were 
sometimes where I'd get super pissed because I'm like, this just ruins my whole plan, right? It's like you bringing this unexpected second master just ruined what everything I was trying to do. Yep. But at least that they you find that out before yeah, then you build. That's the what crew. I'm saying. And so the other thing is that that second master is generally, I mean, bringing Zoraida as a second master costs you 17 stones. That is a big buy. Well, that was that was Cody's argument is that good like top level players that are doing well in these tournaments a lot of times they don't bring second masters because you're fine tuning your list and getting cutting the fat out and when you slam a second master in there it really cuts the efficiency of a crew yep. and it gives you less APs and it's really kind of exactly. it's powerful it's powerful but sometimes it can really be a hindrance to the crew it's a situationally powerful thing and so I'm totally okay with that for, you know, small local tournaments or whatever. I came, I came off the ledge a little bit. The thing <laughs> I like for large events is doing the bands variant. Where, so you declare who your master is. Then the each opponent then says, I'm going to ban this other keyword. So any model that does not share a keyword with the leader or has versatile, you cannot bring from mm. that banned keyword. So it, um, so let's say I declare Titania. Well, you can then go, okay, I'm going to ban Swamp Fiends. No Swamp Fiends. Now, F you. you're still able to bring the Waldgeists, but you're not allowed to bring Zoraida. Mm. So then maybe I'll bring Marcus. Or if I, you know, if you happen to know me, because I've talked loudly and often about how I love Titania and Marcus, because mutated <laughs> dinosaur. Be like, I don't want to play that, Doug. And you say, no Chimera. <laughs> and like, okay, well, then I'll bring Zoraida, maybe. But not all the time because sure. you know spending that 16 to 17 stones that is effectively two models yes and are you going to get you know four actions worth of utility out of the three actions of a master maybe maybe not yeah the value you're right on that i'm still convinced that there is a combination out there uh, I mean, personally, I still think that it's horrifying uh, to have Foundry and Augmented together. Oh, God. Well, that's why if someone says, I'm bringing Mei Fang, you say, I'm banning Augmented. Yes. But then we then have you don't to... have the Hoffman 2 laser right. with Spark saying, hey, command construct. And just saying, hey, command construct. Yes. And getting five Hoff 2 lasers per turn. Yeah. Now, the other thing I think they should also... Um, make a uh, command con so i know why they said command construct is non non-leader right because beforehand it say not non-master well okay for a henchman led crew i suppose you know you could command construct joss because he's not the leader right well i mean or he is the leader in a henchman led crew but he's not a master so then he's not a master okay you can command him i think it should say it be changed to non-leader non-master for command construct huh sure because being able to do that okay that's that's really really nasty that is a negative play experience for me interesting also to be fair i totally misread how the pylons worked i thought i had to be nearby the pylons. yes hoffman so that was like oh oh god i misread that, that would oh, make that, that way less i mean it would still be good and feasible but way less powerful, especially now that you can like just take a model and slam those pylons like away. Yeah. Or you run, you know, a wall, you know, 
you get your uh, wild guess who's like, well, you know, little tree, Groot was nice knowing you. You're going to go yeah. up there, charge uh, charge up to Hoffman if he's, you know, chilling in a uh, forest or something. Grab him and huck him through, uh, you know, huck him to get him away from those pylons. Now he's going to chart, you know, bulldoze right back into the middle of those pylons, but he at least has to use the actions to get See, back to those You're pylons. saying that, no, no, I want to point this out. You're saying that only if you're playing against that combo of uh, Foundry Augmented. But if you're playing against Hoffman in Guild, you're effed. You're just straight effed. Fucking lead line coat. <laughs> well, you were saying, Dixon, that a lot of people aren't bringing it because they're like, oh, I don't need armor. Three. Well, they don't think that they can do it. Like, that's another thing. I was, I was like, why don't you put lead line coat? I was like, oh, but you can do that? And I was like, what do you mean you can't do that? <laughs> He's a human. <laughs> oh. And then, you know, he can't be moved away from his pylons and sadness and woe. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, that's what that's what I did to Cody in the tournament game is he brought some stuff to try and kidnap Hoffman. And I was like, Leadline Coat, we're just going to sit right here in the middle and laser beam yep. and slam You're going to take my four irreducible damage and you're going to like it. You're going to like yeah. it. Mm. So back to Titania, though. Uh, so... Her totem is interesting. I, I kind of want to hear if you guys have some weird success stories with the Gorar. Um, I mean, are you guys just doing some like easy scheming and then late game you try to get a model back? Is that what you're trying Not to do? Not anymore. They nerfed Vendetta. They nerfed Vendetta and they nerfed Hidden Martyr, so you can't do it anymore. You can't do your cheap scheming. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you have to play you have to play honest. Honestly, most of the time when I've had that, uh the Gorar, if people know what the Gorar can do, they, you know, railroad the Gorar. Because it's, you know, defense, four willpower, four, and four wounds. Fucker goes down fast. He, you know, if they know what he can do, they they do not want him on the table for very long. He, he gets the uh, he gets the Earl treatment, is that what you're saying? Yep, he oh. gets Earl Burns, he gets docked, he gets uh, Wendigoat, you know, Bro, basically. No, 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 one second. Doc? And uh, Earl have a significantly higher chance of surviving than the Gore. Excuse you, <laughs> Gore doesn't but, even like you sneeze in his general direction and he dies from COVID. You you could almost <laughs> just put like a uh, you just put a random blast template over there and just kill him. Yeah. So the the Gore are I've I've had some decent amount of um uh success with the Gore are on covert operation. Because so, especially if it's on uh, either flank or corner, because you know the how spread out those um, the center uh, ones, the center yeah. strap markers, yeah, yeah. So how far spread out those are? So the Gorar, you know, it's like okay, I'm gonna go way go, over here to the corner on. one, and whichever direction they are not sending their person, because honestly, it's very hard for anyone to cover both sides. And so yeah, he goes to the one sure. they're not covering. He'll run over there. He'll score covert operations. By then, something's dead. So he starts coming back and to hopefully turn into yeah, that, a dinosaur. Or a that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing with Earl as well. Uh, I try to send him on covert pretty quick to a flank. Yep. And turn two, he's usually going to be the one I try to score first because I anticipate him then dying sometime. Yep. Um, randomly. I mean, the Gorar in, in my games in Titanium 2, he turns into an Autumn Knight, like, repeatedly. That's... Well, not repeatedly. In most of my games, if an Autumn Knight goes down, he turns into one of them and all of a sudden he's, like, godlike. It's like, oh, look at me. Now I'm a minion and I'm strictly better. Yay! Well, 
I do, my autumn nights don't tend to end up off the table all that often. I yeah, I, I understand how difficult they are to take down, but I have played some nasty yeah. like I played the first time I, I got one to, to die was Maxine 2. I was playing mm. against Maxine 2 and he did the whole Haka plus distraction plus Maxine just burns your hand and does like an obscene amount of damage. And well, then they died. Uh, the second time that I that I had one uh, both of my nights actually that was against Terra because Terra mm. puts them inside the void. Now they're defense and willpower five again, and they just mm-hmm. die to a stiff breeze. Yeah, the only time <laughs> I I was able to deal with the Autumn Knights in a way I felt okay about mm. was when I played Barbaros with the Matures, and okay. the Matures the Matures just kind of. It, it was still a little dicey because they they would have plus one on my attack stats, so I had to make sure I was you know I had good a good hand going into them. Mm-hmm. But then if I'm taking damage, they're taking black blood, and it's like okay, I mean yeah, we're just we're, we're things are happening. This is okay. Yeah. Oh, but if they uh, take if you uh, take damage from parry, they don't get black blood damage because it's from an ability, not an action or a trigger. Isn't it? Isn't it a trigger technically? Uh, no, parry or, is a trigger, so you take oh, no, damage. Yeah, it's a trigger, yeah. It's yeah. Tri- it's, um, a Suck blade, it, Doug. Blade rush. <laughs> uh, I love the Blade Rush to Black Blood Models. Blade uh, Rush is a, definitely, yeah. Blade Rush. Yeah, exactly. Blade Rush to Black Blood Models and get the fuck away from them. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I don't like it, but he's right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's out of line, but he is right. <laughs> no, I got it wrong. So the... the um, Fun thing I found with Gorar, and obviously this is a corner case scenario here, is when I was running um, the Gor- uh, Titania 2 with uh, Zoraida. So the, I, the Gorar actually became a decent damage dealer because it was spitting on the Voodoo Doll. Oh my. Uh, oh, gross. <laughs> that is so funny. That's so well, true. Be- not, that's sad. Because, well, it's the, hey, I want to damage the Voodoo Doll myself. But I don't want to do too much damage to it because I'm only plinking them for one damage, no matter how much damage I do. Yep. But his spit venom is a you know one damage, one damage and a poison. And don't you get poison? Yeah, one damage and a poison. So you know you spit on the voodoo doll twice. It's you know two damage, two poison, and the voodoo doll is going to do some things to you. Yeah, it's that silly little plink damage on it there. That is so funny. I didn't even think about that. Well, then again, I don't get to see the voodoo doll often when I'm playing Titania. So, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah it's, it's a corner case scenario where you see, hey, I'm bringing Zoraida and Titania. Yep. And it's like, okay, I'm going to spit on my voodoo doll. Yes. The other fun thing with, that I figured out that game as well is so the uh, Victor, the Vix 2, mm-hmm. when they put up that nasty little aura, they kind of <gasps> locked down Titania. But so the, I would, Summon the uh, voodoo doll. Right. The voodoo doll would, you know, curse the Vix and then would charge them. <laughs> so it takes a damage when it moves in there. So yep. the Vix take a damage. It smacks them. It takes another damage. It's going to attack them again. It'll take another damage. God, and so hopefully funny. one of those attacks actually lands and you do a little bit of damage to them. It's just those little tiny, stupid little plinks that are just so annoying. But you do enough little plinks. Hmm. It, you know, it adds up over time, and that gets around a lot of defensive abilities, like actually, armor. That that actually gives me... Which upgrade do you give the knights, or do you not give them any upgrades? 
I give the knights inhuman reflexes most of the time. Okay, so you have you like to have because now you're talking about blink damage. So I'm assuming Titania too. Then you will do something like that. I I use uh, ancient pack because I just I love drawing cards. So <laughs> um, plus you get plus one for the initiative, right? Yeah. In this specific instance, I I do it more for the lack of black joker flipping because defensively, as long as you don't flip a black joker, you can cheat. Uh, you get to draw a card, so Nefarious Pack becomes, you know, very important. I like how you're casually just, like, poo-pooing on getting plus one initiative. Yeah, like... no, because well, that list is so tanky that you oftentimes don't care. So I tend to, um, so kind of my core Titania 2 crew is, you know, obviously Titania, the Gorar. I'll tend to bring two Autumn Knights, both with Inhuman Reflexes, and two Waldgeists, both with Ancient Pact. That is a very small Titanic two list. Up. That's a lot of upgrades. Yeah, and then, well, and so then I, and then I usually bring one beater to be determined by the pool. So usually that's mm. the Rex or the emissary. Sometimes Killjoy, but honestly, I the feel MVP like the Malasaurus. The keyword. I feel like the Malasaurus is like Killjoy, but better. Yeah, because yeah. I mean they've got. A very, I mean, yeah, Killjoy's got one more on the severe, but the, that two-inch engagement on the Malasaurus, and he's more terrifying. It's and the the ruthless gets around a lot of things. Yeah, the only the only thing that I thought was there's some there's something with Killjoy where oh, the is upgrade. It, if something takes damage, yeah. then the markers become it's the upgrade. Something. No, no, it's the upgrade. Whenever you, uh, if if you put the upgrade, say, on the knights, I wouldn't, but, like, this is the thing that you can do. I'm assuming that uh, Chris did this. You put the upgrade that Killjoy brings on the knights, and now, whenever you hurt the knights, the knights get to spew their blood on any uh, underbrush markers that they're touching, and that means all of them. Like, literally, any, any of them. Yeah, and touching. they're treated as hazardous. And they are counted as hazardous. It's stupid funny when it goes off i've tried that a few times and it it just never ended up uh, procking for me it's rare yeah it was the well i mean i put it on the autumn nights because i'm like okay they're gonna try to kill the autumn nights but then like oh but we're just hitting them back so much that it we just don't get the blood on the underbrush markers it might be worth trying it on the waldgeist because i tend to you know set up their uh some underbrush markers so the waldgeist is always standing in you know I measure out my markers so that, you know, Waldgeist is going to be darting from underbrush to underbrush mm-hmm. so that when they activate, they're going to heal. They can, you know, attack through the underbrush there. But honestly, I think putting the blood sacrifice on a Waldgeist might be worth it because then, Not hey, terrible. I'm chilling in this, you know, underbrush here. Now, fuck you. Yeah. They also get to have ambush for free whenever they're standing on one of them. Yep. So it's not a bad idea. Well, that makes the, um, so with the little push, so uh, Titania 2, uh, when she activates, uh, any number of unengaged Fae within six inches of her, or her a champion, hmm. may move up to two inches. So that's, you know, hey, two-inch push on anyone who's not engaged. Pretty much everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's, and, unless you're, like, right in the thick of it. Yeah. If you're most in everyone's, yeah, I mean, you're getting that two-inch push on everybody turn one. You're usually getting that two-inch push on the majority, of, uh, and it's not a push; it's a move. So That's it can the, be, yeah. you know, it can go around corners, it can climb over walls. It's really handy. You're getting it on the majority of your t- uh, crew turn two. After that, you know, it's kind of more situational. Mm. 
But having that extra little push on the walled guys plus ambush, suddenly it's like, oh, they're four moving four. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, they're getting you know eight inches of move plus two more inches plus three more inches. They can go thirteen inches mm-hmm. in a turn. Also, that's not counting any of the extra movement shenanigans that you can pull off with uh, Titania herself. Yep. Because you can do third law on the on your own models to do beckon, and mm. surprisingly, that actually becomes very good. <laughs> good in a pinch. Oh yeah, that and into thorns. I the amount of times that I've actually done that to to like win the game. Well, it's it's not like an obscene amount, but like I've been playing Titania for like oh, close to two years now, and I've done into thorns on my own models more than once. Like significant amount <laughs> or if you got li- or if you got the malasaurus out there lashing tendrils one of your buddies i that's actually part of every single activation that i have with him eyelash and tendrils either a friendly or an enemy 100 percent of the time yeah well and then uh i, I was figured with uh one of damien ravencroft's new guys i'm like hmm, lashing tendrils i'm like wait a minute i'm moving my slow guys up the board now i'm thinking hey i need to do that with the malasaurus more often Yo. Don't do that as often as oh, I yeah. should. Well, in Titanium One, one of my favorite things to do is activate Melosaurus Rex, push Kurgan up so that he is now within three inches of Titania or the emissary. Okay. And then when I activate the Kurgan, he gets to pull either Titania or the emissary three inches forward, and then you can avalanche whatever the heck you want. Like it's it's actually really really nice because I mean before I was doing that with a Ruguru. But now I don't have to bring a Ruguru because the Kurgan exists. <laughs> but that's yeah, the thing I, I need want. to look at the Kurgan more often. Yeah, Kurgan is insane. <laughs> like I, I have the Kurgan in more than like seven out of ten of my list has a Kurgan in it because of the insane mobility that he brings to every list. Is this a Kurgan? It, yes, that's the meme. That should be. I'm gonna have to like <laughs> figure out how to make that thing <laughs> into the meme because uh, you. I'm assuming uh, I need to play more with Titania too. Because you can get the extra movement on your knights. You can get the extra movement on your wall, guys. There's so much crap. And Avalanche is both friendly and enemy. Yeah, Avalanche is stupid good. It is. It is. Not not even talking about Mudslide. Holy crap, Mudslide. Yeah. So the henchman that you guys have, Aislinn, do you, do you guys find yourself bringing... I guess it's a him, First off, no, no, no. Her. First off, her name is Ashlyn. And Ashland. second, she is there's there's no there's no fucking Irish man. It is an Irish word. Broadcast. Yeah, it looks like Ashland to me. Ashland, sir. Ashland. And second, she's hot garbage, and you never bring her. She, you know what? She's um far too busy. You know, back at the like how you defended her honor only to dump her in the trash can. Because she's honorable. Have you read her card? She's honorable. It says right on her card there. She's so honorable that she stays at home. Yep. I don't even pack her in my bags. No nope. shelf. She's, you know, she's on the shelf over there. Yes, she's a beautiful model. She's so honorable. Beautiful model. Awful rules. They need to like redo her rules if they want to see that model on the table for either me or Doug. <laughs> I mean, so because eight, eight stones isn't bad for henchmen. So what do you guys hate about the card? Low mobility, low survivability, and the only thing—literally, all of her power is in decay. That's it. Yeah, that's what I, I was like. Tangled roots, no. I was like, decay. There's some good triggers there, and then sure, that's it. <laughs> well, the thing is that she doesn't ignore. Okay, so this is this is my personal biggest gripe is she doesn't ignore severe terrain. She doesn't actually 
do anything positive for severe terrain, except for most of her abilities want her to be in severe terrain. I will also note here that it is surprising that Doug said he'll play Killjoy. So Killjoy is in Doug's bag, but this model is not. Killjoy, Killjoy <laughs> went up in value. He's still a terrible model, but he went up yeah. in value. <laughs> no, he went up in value because of Titania 2 specifically. Fair, yep. fair. Yeah, and that's the no, reason. I've, I have not put him on the table in a competitive game. I put him on the table when I was like, okay, Titania 2, what's mm-hmm. a big beater? For, for the memes. Well, let's try out Killjoy. Well, I was going with the... Okay, if I bring, the, I was getting a little too Rube Goldbergy right. with it. Is that I'm like, okay, so if I got Killjoy, then mm. I put those blood sacrifice because I'm going to have all of these underbrush markers all over the board. Yep. And if they hit those guys in the underbrush marker, then they're going to take damage from this stuff. And it it just never procked to the point I needed yeah. it to be worth it. But Killjoy also has an insanely good, uh, like, you know how I said that, like, all the power in, in uh, Ashland is all in Decay? Killjoy's entire power is in his uh, demise. And whenever people are going to play against uh, Titania, they don't think, oh, I need to bring my anti-demise. So mm-hmm. in GG3, mixed in with Killjoy's inability to fucking die properly, it actually makes him good in certain specific matches. How does he unbury? Does he just unbury and you're playing? Look at the, uh, his upgrade. He literally has the to kill a model. Yeah. So, like, personally, I would give it to the Gorar and to, like, one of the wall guys. And then the Gorar would turn into, you know, Killjoy again. Because you get any number of... In- he, this is the only model in the game that breaks <laughs> the loop of how many activations you can get in a, in a turn. You could technically get three activations with Killjoy. Inter- interesting. Yeah. But I mean, you have to be obliging enough to actually kill him Correct. to get those extra things. Yes. I figure after they do that, you know, once or after they do that once, they might figure it out. <laughs> but that's it. Like, he, again, he's a bad model, but Autumn Queen has made him actually a good pick in specific matches. Also, I'm not yeah. a big fan of his model. It's a little too uh, nurgly for me. Aw. Yeah, he looks like a poop demon. And Aww. so, but I am a big fan of the Silent Knight, the one that, you know, was the the alt version that is designed to go with Titania? Because he she is an actual knight of the court. Yeah, then he looks, you know, then he kind of fits with the theme. Otherwise, he's this weird ass guts dragging poop demon yeah. who I'm like, yeah, and you know, he's got really nasty butt crack. <laughs> I mean, have you looked at the model? He's got a really nasty butt crack. Oh, and also that hooks chain on him just snaps imag- off like crazy. I imagine this is like so if you take Euripides right. And you and you strip Euripides naked, and then you give him a dad bod. That's probably Killjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys ever saw the original Killjoy, but like, I I just I think that he looks derpy, and that's the main reason why I like him. Same reason why he's I like der- Fang. He's derpy boy. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Like literally, look up, look up Killjoy, like the OG version. He just looks so dumb. <laughs> but does he look as dumb as OG Lord Chompy Bits? I like Lord Chompy Bits OG, and but the Nightmare model is significantly better. Well, I the think, Nightmare model is great. The OG when he's like, hey. yeah, hands I know, in the air. I know some oh, people yeah. don't. I know some people are going to disagree with me, but that's how I feel about the old Metal Teddy, where it's just like yes. this stupid-looking, horrendous teddy bear that looks like he's just been stretched out. I painted mine as a Care Bear. 
because of the, yeah, because it's so dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> so I am excited so, to paint the the iconic. Yeah, um, that looks cool. The iconic uh, dreamer, dreamer, because it it's got strong Calvin and Hobbes vibes. Yes, I love yes. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Originally, I think somebody, uh, I think it was Bill actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he made a commission to make a Max for you know from the Wild Things are. Okay. Because to him, it was Max from the Wild Things, where the Wild Things are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. That's awesome. Yeah. Even the post where he's on the bed from the Avatar of Slumber. I don't know if you guys. I love that. I love that Avatar. I've got got that one painted up. It's so funny. So looking at Faye, what? So I want to go through just some counters that you guys don't like seeing that, you know, it's like this is bad for Faye. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about a a lot about their strengths, but I will say if you are on a board that doesn't have a lot of concealing terrain, that can be a problem I've found with Faye. I don't know if you guys don't care agree or disagree with that. Oh, you don't. We we make our own concealing. We bring our terrain with us. We make our own force. It, you just what? Do you just start to drool when you see more of it on the board? Yes. Oh, of course. I <laughs> love seeing a big, I love seeing a big forest on the board because then I do the oh, you're dipping a toe in that forest. Yep. Well, the Waldgeist is pulling you out of position. I, it reminds me, Dixon, of Guild Ball when the hunter <laughs> players would get put on the board with like the huge forest, and you're like, "This is terrible." Oh my sweet baby Jesus! I'm about to win. Uh, no, like I personally, if I see a pawn. And I'm playing Faye. I, I love it. I'm in. I'm in lesbians with this. It's so damn good. Yeah, because you think about it, you're like, oh, there's severe terrain. Oh, that's fine. It's not gonna do anything. And all of a sudden, I was like, I'm gonna pull all you in. Yeah, these roots coming out of the pond. <laughs> I get extra. Bo- I get extra <laughs> bonuses for this. This is amazing. Man, this just kicked the game into awesome mode. Mm-hmm. So, what are some then, uh, maybe some counters or things where you're like, this is bad? Like, this is bad for Faye and what I'm trying to do. Uh, anytime a crew, personally, anytime a crew removes uh, markers and gets something out of it. Yep. I hate that with a passion with Thousand Burning Suns because I'm feeding them now. Uh, the yep. first time I played against Yamlo 2, I played it with Faye and I didn't. Drawing cards. Yeah, I didn't realize it. And he was just removing my markers and drawing cards. And I was like, well, I need to plan this out better next time, or like, or like Mancha removing them and giving you like injured and stuff. If you get that close to me, I have fucked up other ways. Well, not Mancha. <laughs> I thought it had to be destructible for Mancha. No, <laughs> no, it's just a marker. It, just any marker I, like it. I, it might be non-scheme, but I don't even think it's that. Uh, I think it's yeah. I think it's non-scheme marker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anytime people get things out of it, so do you like the Bayou emissary? Just rolling over all your stuff. Oh fuck! All cut. Yes, I hate that model. And that's, but that's not the. Thing. I miss that model so bad. <laughs> no, but that's not the one that like like makes me hate life the most. It's literally models that get something out of it, like Yan Lo Two drawing cards. Uh, fucking uh, the uh, Polter guys. Strangely enough, uh, you get hit by the Polter guys. He has telekinesis, and he can just like move all the markers. And hit you for three damage if you fail a movement duel. Uh, just little things like that. There's, there's model. Oh, uh, fucking uh, Hoffman. Hoffman can bulldoze, get the trigger, and because you remove one of your markers, he now puts a pylon or yeah. a scrap marker. I think it, I thought it was pylons. The trigger gets you. The trigger gets you a pylon, but when you remove the markers, they become scraps. It, okay, so fucking yeah, that sucks balls. 
just little things like that. There's a bunch of models in the game that whenever they remove markers, they get something out of it. I hate that. I hate those matches. Yep. Okay. So that's I can and that makes sense because you're using those for movement, attacks, and different you know profits and stuff. Yes. Um, and have schemes, because you, found... you know what? There's yeah. there's a handful of schemes where it's like, hey, I want to have my stuff on your side of the board. Load them up. Yeah. <laughs> if load them up in the pool, yeah, that Titania almost guarantees scores that. Yeah, that's yeah. rough. But then, I mean, it, even if you're going against a crew that does a lot of that remove shenanigans, load them up. I'm I would still probably take Titania against that and take load them up, just because you start with so many on the table. But you can then, where you start them on the table, you can just put them in positions where maybe they're not going to help you, but they're going to be difficult for them to remove. And so part of that is the, hey, how am I going to score my points? And if load them ups on there, it's going to be hard to remove that many underbrush markers, especially since they're not destructible. They have to do it through very specific means. Yep. So is there a faction or a type of crew that Titania doesn't like seeing? Hmm. Hard to say. I, I, there, she seems pretty flexible. Yeah, so. she's a very versatile master. That's the thing that's actually good. She's yeah. not like obscene. She has different modes. Correct. She's not obscene, though. So like, you're not going to see something that's going to be like, oh my God, this is completely disgusting. But she's so... She's not necessarily a jack of all trades. She's like slightly above average jack of all trades. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, and like I said, the title, I think, really turns like the keyword on because that's the kind of like, I'm going to be here and fight version of it. And then the other version can be also mobile, but maybe more independent of itself. And Titania is kind of doing her thing. And I don't know, they just seem different enough where it makes the keyword very interesting and flexible to play. Yeah, she's definitely a master where so there's times when you see uh, assassinate in the pool and you go, okay. I'm not bringing this particular master because, you know, like Dreamer, even though he's got, you know, Serene Countenance, he goes down pretty easily if they've got the tech for it. Yep. So Dreamer into Assassinate is kind of a rough pick. Titania, surprisingly difficult to put down and has a surprising amount of healing. I've found that Autumn Knight is like nigh impossible to kill just on distance alone mm -hmm. because I'm most of the time I'm in my deployment zone. And I'm still yeah. You gotta you gotta deal with those stupid autumn nights yeah. before you even get to her. Well, this actually... She stays home, and uh, you know she kind of stays home and protects the home turf. Her right. and then her two autumn nights. Well, her two uh, champions, which are usually autumn nights. Yes. But sometimes you know, oh well, this turn you know what? Uh, I really need to get it over onto the walled guys because I need to huck somebody. Yes. Occasionally, but usually it's the autumn nights. So, but suddenly they've got their little bubble crew, you know, running around mm -hmm. doing stuff on two different spots. And her crew bubbles up separately. Uh, it's like she's got multiple bubbles. And so people can deal with one bubble. But having multiple bubbles out there is very hard to break up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Like, I feel the same. But, like, one of the things that I had a problem with that I didn't realize uh, how big it was... Uh, Doug, have you played against something that like discards your hand? Uh, I, you know, you know what I mean. Like, like would they work hard at discarding your hand? Uh, I've ran into that a couple of times, and so that ends up really hurting because then if yes. you're not able to Die, discard, you go bad. then if you're not able to discard your card to keep your uh, Yo. chosen out there. But if that's happening, then I tend to activate my Waldgeists or 
Titania late in the turn because so Titania has an amazing action, the Behold Her Glory, where so she can only do it once per turn. She'll uh, target you know one of her uh, friends. They get focused, and if they're a Fae, which you know they're gonna be a Fae, you're doing this. On a fae. <laughs> it's what you do. It's what you fucking do. Uh, they're gonna drop a, a scheme marker within two inches of them, which is awesome. But then there's the trigger on it. It's the draw cro- uh, card for every underbrush marker within four inches of the target. Which, you know, you're gonna, they're gonna be within four inches of three underbrush markers because that's just the way it goes. Yep. And so that plus Ancient Pact are a very good way to replenish your hands. Yeah. I mean, that was also my bait and switch uh, back in GT2. That was the way that I did bait and switch because I would do it on the Mausaurus Rex. I'd be like, all right, behold her glory on the Mausaurus Rex. Mausaurus Rex now has focus. Drop me the scheme marker for the bait and switch. And now I can just like focus on on giving other people other bonuses if I have to. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is ready to go now. Yeah. I, I mean, it's awesome. She she is just such a good master for that. She makes uh, no she's not you know the hey i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna fuck them up myself <laughs> but she she ups the level of everyone on her crew yes and i tend to play the crew fairly defensively honestly that i'm um a lot of times saving my big cards for the autumn nights really well so it's the hey they're coming at me with their super big beater, and I'm assuming they've got a 13 in their hand okay. when they're coming at that Autumn Knight. Because, like, hey, I'm charging at you with my big-ass beater. Right, right. Well, that Autumn Knight's got, you know, a defense 7. Unless they're coming at you with a master, the innate defense, that, that defense 7 on the Autumn Knight is going to statistically outdo them. And then I got that big card in hand where if they, you know, cheat in that 13, it's like, okay, I really need to hit that. Boom. I'm like, 13, parry, smack. Yep. 20. <laughs> it, well, it's one of those things where not only does it, you know, hey, they're not hitting him. I'm smacking you and I'm smacking you back. Hmm. That suddenly, that's some of the play in the mind game. It's a tempo where, swing. Where they are, they were expecting for their big beater to come in there and do some damage on that autumn night and go, not only did you not do damage on them, I, you know, smacked you back. Especially if they're sending someone in who's, you know, tooled up with focus. Hmm. So, like, they burn that focus. Like, oh, nothing gives me more sadistic joy than, <laughs> well, okay, someone swinging on you with focus. Right. You know, getting that positive flip there and going, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to hit you. And he's like, oh, well, you only get that plus flip on damage if you damage me. See, the Autumn Knights are the exact reason why it's like, <laughs> I don't want to use a focus here. I don't want to use a stone here. I don't want to cheat because it, because you're just, the more resources you, you suck into it, it's like, if they have it, it's like, mo- unless it's a stupid master like Nakima or something right. that is, that is stat seven, they're going to beat you if they have it. And it's just, yes. it's frustrating. I mean, I, uh, one of the things that I like to do with, uh, the queen is the third law, but I would use one of my highest cards for that. Do you just flip it? Do you just like throw it out there or do you not even use it? Well, it's kind of that, you know, the third law, cause that's going against movement. And that's one of the reasons I like Titania's attack. Cause she's, you know, 
Defense, she's uh, stat seven versus willpower for bloody command. Right. That's higher than most willpowers. She's stat six versus movement. That's higher than most movements. Right. So she's got a statistical advantage on a lot of these things. So, yeah, if I really need to injure someone and stun them, I will use, uh, you know, that high card for the movement. Right. But with all that, the card draw that this crew gets, because, you know, two ancient pacts and behold her glory, I can, you know, sink some high cards into it and then save the rest of the high cards for, you know, protecting my autumn nights. Or, you know, making the autumn nights, you know, that, you know, defensive, like, haha, I'm here and you got to deal with me because I'm going to do damage to you. And so you're swinging on them and they're just hitting you back. They become that just thorn in their side, which is oddly appropriate with end of thorns. Yeah. Seem, seems like it. I was about to say, <laughs> the thing I found with the Malasaurus Rex, and, um, so uh, Cole Thomas uh, said this to me at uh, Gen Con. I played against him first round. He's like, well, I've not seen someone play the Malasaurus Rex that effectively. Because, hmm. well, so the thing is that most people take their Malasaurus Rex and go, okay, this is my big scary dinosaur. And they run it at the biggest thing on the board. Well, usually the biggest thing on the board has got some tech to deal with, you know, okay, maybe it's got the root, something to get around the terrifying. Or something to get around the hard to wound. It's got ways to get around the Malasaurus's defense. Or just spiky ass damage. And yes. then it goes down fast. The mal- If you're running the Malasaurus, you got to run it as a bully. You're running that thing at their little shit. Where's the goat? Yes. <laughs> the, hey, where's that thing that, you know, oh, there's a scheme runner? Sweet. My Malasaurus is going to run over here and eat your scheme runner. That's uh, so good. Oh, but don't worry, because the Malasaurus... It's got the movement to, you know, run off to the side, you know, uh, early turns, just, you know, clip off their flank. And it's fast, too. And then run back in and murder the shit out of something big after they're uh, expended their resources. That's a really good point. I mean, that's what I did. That's what I did game one at Gen Con. Is that the Malasaurus ran off to the side? How how terrified are you as a player, Doug, when I'm playing against you, and then all of a sudden, because you know, when you're playing Malifaux, you can see like plans start to develop. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the sheer terror when your scheme runner realizes that the Malasaurus Rex is coming mm-hmm. after it. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like oh oh goodness, yeah. oh my my lord. Yeah. I yeah, mean, the yeah. best thing you can do is like they somebody engages with their bruiser. <laughs> yeah, somebody engages with their bruiser on Malasaurus Rex. You activate Malasaurus Rex, you whip away the bruises that's in front of you, yep. and you just charge whatever squishy thing they have behind yeah. them. Because you're like, wait, you're not gonna you're not gonna fight this thing? It's like, no, nope. why would I do no, that? Get, get it out the way. Me. I'm gonna eat that guy. That guy's, you know, so you're got you that know, you're true. crunchy and hard and covered in yep. armor. That guy is soft, squishy, and full of nougat. Yep. And and you don't sometimes you don't even have to cheat that that ram. It's like, oh, your opponent's just gonna give up. Okay, well. I guess I eat it. <laughs> just well, keep on I, with the Malasaurus, I like to use a lot of the time, I'll use its predatory instinct to try to, you know, top deck the ram on Lashing Tendrils. Yup. Because or you get that plus flip on it there. You're, tr- you're you know, fishing for, for a ram there. And, oh no, I didn't, you know, land with it. Okay, well, you know, there's no damage flip on it, so right. you get there's no downside to using it. Yep. If you get that extra hit, that attack gets a positive flip. Awesome. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, like a Gen Con turn one, it was, you know, hey, I mean, uh, game one, you know, go, runs over, eats a dabbler, which you know, took a little bit longer than it took two turns to kill off that dabbler. But you know Jesus. what? Well, it's because he was, you know, pushing him around. And luckily it took two turns to kill off the dabbler mm. because then I got, you know, the uh, cursed objects on it. Right. Well, then it's like, okay, cool. Oh, hey, that new uh, Mia in the ba- is in the backfield there. Well, she's manipulative. Oh, wait, I'm ruthless. I don't care. Charge over, just noms her. <laughs> and then uh, there, now, this one I got crazy lucky on. There was a full health, uh, two shielded Belephantine Thorpe back there in the backfield. Oh. That he, he needed to move, you know, he want, um, I had Damien where I wanted him to be. He was, you know, set up to score the second half of um, Load Him Up. And the second half of leave your no us uh, uh, no not leave your mark the one where it's uh, set the trap sabotage set the oh, trap okay. set the trap so he was nearby you know scheme markers and underbrush markers so I'm like okay he's where I wanted to be he's activated Bell uh, Thorpe's got a lot of um, movement shenanigans he's like hey I'm gonna you're gonna move three and I'm gonna move three or you two are gonna move three and so she can do a lot of shenanigans with that. Plus, she's got, um, I've got your back. So I charged the Rex in there just to get a body in between Belle and Damien Ravencroft and anyone else over there. Because I'm like, I've got my positions where I want to be. I don't think I'm going to kill her off. But you know what? Why not? He's a, you know, nasty guy in that min three damage. Well, I spiked into um, moderate damage on negative flips twice. Then, <laughs> then top decked the uh, rip and tear trigger on lashing tendrils, because I only had you know a mo- uh, a low level ram in my hand. I'm like, I was gonna go for it, hit her again, and just take her from full health plus two shielded down to zero in one activation. And, Suck it. <laughs> and scored cur- and scored cursed objects off of that one. That the Malasaurus. By it's nice running when things around, come together. Yeah, running around and being a bully, you know, is he, I'm going to pick off the flanks and then hit the big thing after they're out of stones. Yeah, he. I mean, he works really well like that. That's that's a very good point, and I honestly, Doug, I play that way a lot of times with my first mate. A lot of times, mm-hmm. because if you just dump the first mate into something, he's probably not going to die. But that's not where he wants to be. He doesn't want to bash it out with really too many elite models. Because, you know, he's not great into, like, armor and, yeah. you know, if you stone damage. He's really good at, like, putting a couple shots into squishy models and killing them. Yeah, yeah. You've got to – sometimes, you know, there are beaters who are you're like, I'm going to run this beater up your gut and he's going to be right there in the thick of it the whole time. Or there's, you know, some of those beaters where they say, hey, you know what? He is going to pick off the squishy bits until everything else is softened up or you're out of stones, and then he's coming in there and yeah. uh, fucking your day up. Yup. Because he can, that whole, that, you know, movement five, ignoring, you know, other models, and that, you know, on the, that rush, so he's, you know, got a nine-inch threat range, can be really, it's like, wait, where the hell did that dinosaur come from? Yep. <laughs> Came out of nowhere, man. That's really and, weird. And the roofless. And Ruthless gets yep. around so much. Yep. Like, Predatory Instinct alone sometimes wins me games because, like, I look at the deck and I'm like, okay, I haven't seen my Red Joker. Black Joker's already gone. There's, like, 
18, 17 cards left in their opponent's deck, I'm going to Predatory Instincts, yeah, to fish for it. Because mm -hmm. even the negative becomes a positive. Because you just go, okay, uh, I hit you. I'm going to put it at, you know, either Exaxes or Flip Minus. And then flip as many cards as humanly possible. And yep. yeah, like, he, he's insane. He's so much better than Killjoy that it, it it's very hard to, like, find the good spots for Killjoy. And strangely enough, like I said, Autumn Queen makes that happen. Yep. Yeah, and with Autumn Queen, she's got the heals that can help keep him up. Yep. Now, I'm often hesitant to run uh, Malosaurus into uh, pools that have Vendetta in them. Because he's a great target for Vendetta. It's true. Everybody goes, wants he, to kill him. Everybody wants to kill him. <laughs> Killing him model. ends up being a big win for them there. And at that point, he's going to have a harder time, you know, running the edge and being a bully because there's like, oh, he's running over there. They're going to pivot towards that and start throwing a lot of shit at it. So in those cases, I tend to bring the uh, emissary a little more often. Yeah. Because the emissary works really, really well with uh, Titania 2 as well. Now, he doesn't get the push and he doesn't get the benefit from uh, her auras. But he doesn't really need it because he's a pretty beefy model to begin with. Is there any other keyword that the emissary actually works with besides Titania's? <laughs> uh, why is that? I guess my follow-up question is, why is the emissary not keyword Faye? Hmm. That's a great question. <laughs> uh, I've used him in Pandora. Uh, remember when I said that I like I have like 16, 17 points that uh, I take in and out of uh, Pandora? He's one of the models. Him and Eliza, you know, trigger, stagger here and there, do some damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's but matchup dependent. I found that the um, Roots from Below on him is really, it's surprisingly nasty with Titania. Mm. because So a lot of the stuff in Titania, especially, I mean, Titania 1, where she's got the, uh, hey, if they're in, uh, if they're in the uh, severe terrain, I get a plus flip on it. Well, with the Mysterious Emissary, it's like, hey, if they're in severe terrain, they get a negative flip on it. <laughs> That's true. And I would rather have my opponent be on a negative flip than mm. me be on a positive flip. Is there a, is there a lot of severe terrain in a Titania list? Oh, duh. All of the underbrush markers. <laughs> is, is that a lot? Is, oh, just is a couple. More, is, there more, is there more than yeah, two? Yeah, just like a third of the map. <laughs> Yeah. Funny two, two gets more out um, without any effort. So with uh, Titania 1, I mean, most of the crew has got the germinate action. Right. Yeah, but I feel like two just innately gets she more She poops out. one out every yeah. top yeah. of every turn. Yeah. So like before before any model goes, here's one. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, and it comes out of you know her or the champion. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to play. And it's a place, if I remember correctly. It's, it's even better than normal. Like, I know it's, it's still a create. Is it? But it, it is still create, but it doesn't have the... So Germinate has got the restriction that it can't place it within two inches of another... That's what it is. Uh, ...underbrush mark. And there's been times where I've accidentally got... It's like, okay, I'm going to put my... Shit, I can't get two inches There's nowhere to there's put it. There's no room left. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Actually, so, it's even worse because, like, you can't germinate and put it within two inches of a strategy marker or a scheme marker. It's when, so, so germinate can so it's uh, the one so it's the abundant growth can oh, yeah. be within two inches of a strategy marker. Germinate can be within uh, 
two inches of other markers. It just can't be within two inches of uh, underbrush markers. That tells you how often I've had to use Germinate in uh, Titania 1. Or period, actually, on either or. You know where I use Germinate normally? The bore. When I'm playing Ulix. That's it. <laughs> well, I so I like Germinate with Titania 1. Okay. If I've got the car, because I mean, she only needs a uh, five to get it off. Oh, you're talking about the teleport. The teleport. Yeah. So it's it's a nice way to get her to you know move really fast because that's Yo. you know she uh, places that within six inch. So she places the marker within six inches. Mm -hmm. So you put it at the edge of six inches, right. and you place her at the edge of that. So it's suddenly a huge movement. Yep. Also, uh, to people that want to play her. Putting the uh, the underbrush marker, you have to be able to see it. But where she places, you don't you're you don't really have to be able to see it. So like you can put the marker just outside of like you know just within line of sight, and then her completely out of line of sight of the enemy. And then you can you know punt that use Queen's command and punt it back and smack him in the face <laughs> like ha ha I'm out of the way and fuck you. <laughs> yeah the uh, the kind of the last thing I wanted to ask here is just. We've talked about a lot of the new strats, and it seems like she's pretty good into them. The one I haven't heard you guys talk about is Carve the Path. Do you guys try to stay away from that with Titania, or can you still feel comfortable with that? I've played a couple of games of Carve the Path so far. I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around. Well, so it's not a difficult one, but it's the what it ends up being is that both of uh, the markers, your, your little, because uh, this is what uh, what because they can remove they can remove your stuff, so that's why I'm yeah. wondering. So, hmm. uh, it part of it is that you have those mark. Uh, I have not, uh, you know, I haven't played Titania into Carver Path yet. I've only played Ravencroft. In I mean, I've been, I've been playing a lot of Ravencroft lately because he's new, shiny, and I love Damian Ravencroft <laughs> in the war. But. Um, what I've found with Carve a Path is that I need to play more of it to get my head around the whole, hey, I yeah, I slide it up, but then a lot of times like, and I'm going to scoot it back. Hmm. And so it ends up becoming a clusterfuck on the line. Yeah, I've seen Chris, when we played it, he did an interesting thing where he actually moved the, he moved one up a flank that I think he was anticipating controlling and then the second one, he actually moved back towards to get to that other flank. So his idea was to wall off the center, get his two um, carpet path markers on one flank, and then just win the day essentially and mess with my markers. So there is a lot of like different strategy I think you can take into this one. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just going to take some just gameplay and actual you know events to figure out what you like, yeah. but. The, the reason I was asking about Titania is just because you can kick it, whether it's yours or theirs, yep. and whatever it goes over, it's just taking those markers off the board. Yeah, I mean, also, you have to get used to the fact that you can push the, the marker through you. Yes, people. And you can also yeah. stand on the marker. Correct. Yeah. Because they can't yeah, take I think the It's just concealing, action. I think. No. It, it's just concealing. They can't take the interact action if they can't see it. Wait, is it concealing? Did I just miss that completely? <laughs> yeah, the Carver Path marker is concealing, and that's the only terrain trait it has. No shit. Okay, well, again. So you can go and yeah. stand. So you got a 40 or 50 mil model. You can stand on top of it, and then they can't. Then no one can see Ooh, that, that's kind of gross. No, it's, yep. a, it's a total dick move, and it's delightful to do. But. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to do that now. 
Because, monster. I mean, to be able to move, to take the interact action, they have to be able to target it. They can't target it if you're standing And you have models with planted roots, I notice. And yep. they're medium base on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, I don't don't like that. Oh, come on. So you're going to be all right. I think they'll, so. be, they'll be pretty <laughs> damn decent at being able to do that. So, I mean, you can... Uh, scoot it. What it's uh, is? It, is it total of six inches or just? Up no, to no. Six? Yours is six. The six. opponent yeah. is four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was I was seeing if it was six inches or up to because sometimes the oh maybe you don't want to push it that far. Gotcha. Because I suppose with like a um, say a waldgeist. Yes. Waldgeist that could you know punch it twice. So waldgeist punch it you know only punt their own four inches, ambush up to it, then kick it six inches. Yep. So suddenly you're getting a big old push back-to-back with it. Yep. Yeah, that could definitely work. Um, I think you would just have to be, especially with how you want the board state to look, Mm. you would just want to kind of be aware of where your markers are so Mm. they don't just get removed with an easy just one action because i mean you could clear out like three or four of them with just one push yeah yeah you really have to spread the underbrush then that being said though like you don't have to play her in that mission like autumn queen you don't have to play her you could play just normal titania and yeah murder Mm -hmm. whoever's moving a uh come here wagon yeah it's like hey you what do you think you're doing no, I'm sorry. I was just following orders. Blur. That, when actually, you know, that. her ignoring concealing with because it's like, hey, I'm gonna hug my little wagon because yep. you're hugging that wagon, you're getting concealing. She's like, hi, I don't care about concealing. Yep. Awaken hunger, murder. It just it reminds me so much, and that's why I think I like this GG a lot because it. I used to play a lot of Heroes of the Storm, and there's like there there's a map where it's like you and your team are guarding this cart till it gets delivered. This payload. And then all of a sudden people come over and they try to wreck you. And it's just, there's so many, like, those missions are so interesting to me that it, it, I'm having a lot of fun with this GG. Yeah. So the, like, I'm, I'm really enjoying the GG that they, because, hey, there's stuff where, you know, we have to kill things now. Last GG, if you had yeah. interact shenanigans, you were, you were just going to win it. Like, if you had shenanigans where you could drop all of the extra scheme markers or do all the interacts for free you could really win it. So it felt like a very tricksy kind of um, uh, GG. And there was no murdering for points. Yeah. Yeah, I got some tricks for y'all. I want to see what you guys think about these two. So this is kind of not really Titania, but this is some GG stuff that I've I've heard people talking about. And I want to get your, y'all's opinions <gasps> oh, on it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the first one I want to talk about for is easy. It's Nelly. So what do you guys think about Nelly and not being able to like, put tokens on Nelly to like Nelly can basically what put the tokens on you and then you can't give them back to her because she controls your interacts. <laughs> oh fuck. God, fuck I, I just hate in- Nelly for everything. Fuck hey it. man, exclusive energy has been ruining games since <laughs> 2020. <laughs> just saying. Cause like she, she's been doing that since oh, GG one, Lord. basically like GG zero oh. didn't really have that many like shenanigans like that. Like GG, yeah. GG one and on, it was like, oh, you have to do interact actions in this specific way, and then he's like, no, you ain't. The fuck you will. <laughs> well, and so Doug, I already told Dixon this one, but I want to get your play on it as well. So also, you have Jack Daw. Okay. So you can treat the guilty 
as an enemy model. Okay. So so theoretically, Jackdaw's crew in Cursed Objects, you could put all your Cursed Objects on one guilty and then run it away. <laughs> I love his expression of pain because yeah. that was the expression I'm like, I, 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 I had. Feel like, okay, I gotta, uh, okay, let me take a look at how he's, this... He's like, hold up, up the guilty card real fast. Doug's, exp- <laughs> Doug's answer is, hold up a minute. I, let me look I'm this like, up. Hold, hold on, then, <laughs> this can't be, this like, can't be that, a thing. That just sounds wrong. Okay, so uh, after... Okay. Friendly tormented models may treat this model as an enemy model for purposes of actions, abilities, and triggers. And interacts are actions. Yes. Yeah. That's so, super gross. So we may take an interact model with the place one of those Kirk tokens on this model. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now, to be fair, there are some good there are some good TOs out there that are telling people no, don't be don't be uh heathen and you know, we're not playing that way. But some people are like, Yeah, you know, Nelly can be a hoe, so can Jack Daw, apparently. Yeah. I mean it's it's one strategy that you can't score more than one point, eh, seems okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there are some crews where they could just go find that model. Like, if I was playing Zip, I could just be like, okay, I guess I'm just going hunting at that one model. Yeah, but that's one all the, model. all the markers go back onto someone else, then. Yeah, but then you can also throw yours onto him still, Dixon, so... Wait, 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 hold up a minute. What do you mean? Like, if he dies and there's no more cursed objects, then they go out again? Is that what you said? Yes. So if it, uh, the way it is, um, blah, 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 where'd it go? Yeah, the cursed markers don't, or cursed objects don't go away. That's uh, carved path, not cursed objects. So yeah, uh, if a model with one or more cursed tokens is killed, the opposing player may discard uh, one of those tokens. Then, regardless of if a token was discarded, all remaining tokens are removed and placed, one each, on the closest models in the same crew. So it'll spread it back out. So they don't all go to the closest ones. Like, okay, who's closest? Who's second closest? There you go. There's another one. Yeah. Who's- so if you if you kill that guilty, then it just kind of redistributes it. So hmm. So you have to hunt and down the guilty. Yeah. You hunt down that one guilty, which now they could always, you know, hey, start it there, uh, deploy so that everyone who you're put the opponent's going to be putting the cursed objects onto is right nearby that guilty. And then, you know, they're interacting with it and then run the guilty to the corner. I suppose you could do that. <laughs> That's not bad. I thought it's it was going to be worse than strategy. that. Yeah. But you can also then take your own curse tokens and throw them onto the opponent. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm so saying. So if, you, if, if you've got a curse on here and they're like, they loaded up the one model and that one model is ran off to the corner, you can take the interact action to put it onto the opponent. Yeah, and I think it's so it's not un- so like Nelly's stupid because obviously Fucking you Nelly. can't give it back to her, right? But it's still a, it makes your crew less efficient than the other crew, though. That's the only yeah. thing. Also, true. Also, Nelly, uh, there's one model in the game, two models in the game that can stop her shenanigan, which is pretty sad because that that doesn't leave too many room for for uh, playing around. Then uh, one is they, Sonia one, stop? and the other one is uh, Sebastian Barker. You know, the second version of Seamus. Oh, yeah. yeah. those are the two models. Literally, how, that's how it. How do they get around their shenanigans there? So the alone in the dark trigger shuts off their auras. Mm. Making it okay. so the exclusive interview doesn't go off anymore. It's it's a range negative, basically. And Sonya does the same thing if you're on fire. You reduce okay. the range of all your abilities equal to the fire that you have on you, as long as she can see you. 
two masters in the game. That's exactly my point. Like, there's, I, I'm getting ahead of it because like people are gonna say, "Oh, this is fair. This is completely fine and fair." It's like, no, dude, this is gross. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know as a TO how I would treat the Nelly thing because that one's tough to get around. So, well, here's the way to get around it with Titania Two. Now, this is wasting your um your stuff. But uh, Titania is outside of uh, Nelly's um, eight-inch bubble there, but can take her actions through any of her champions. So she can. So Titania can take the interact actions. Is not subject to Nelly's bubble. That's right. It's the same thing as Sarita. And she can also. Hey, I need to drop a scheme marker. Cool. Behold her glory. Drops it up. Now, does she have the uh, thing where she turns, when you just drop a scheme marker, she turns it? I don't believe she does. Now, she's got shit to turn other scheme markers. No, I think you're you're thinking of Lucius there, where it becomes your scheme marker or whatever. Yeah, there's some of that stuff where, you know, I played a game. Yeah, Subterfuge, and that one, I'm like, I was playing that against uh, the Vix, too, and, you know, the student conflict goes, hey, I'm gonna, that's my scheme marker. I'm like, well, fuck you! <laughs> Turned around and murdered her because I was mad. Die, girl, die! But because she goes down really fast, but she pulls that once, and you're like, oh god damn it, I forgot about that. Yeah, you get mad when it's like that one time. You're like, oh my god! All right, now now I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I like that though. But that's um, what she's there for. She's there to do that once, make people mad, and then die. Because I think you just have to try to kill Nelly's crew at range mm-hmm. before they can get in and dump the marker on you. Yeah. I mean, there's, the again, there's ways of, yeah. Undercover reporters. Fucking undercover reporters. Yeah. I mean, just play Terra, bro. Or uh, the, yeah. the guild people that hit people in the void. That's all you got to do, we're, right? But we're, but we're talking about being, you know, never born here. So never born, never born into. Suck it, never born. Fucking, I hate, I hate undercover bro, reporters. We don't get answers and you know it. We just, you, we just get problems. We create you guys just problems. have to keep, you guys have to keep punching. That's all you guys Dude, do. We hit like, like a fucking freight train, but yeah, sometimes we don't need a freight train. We need a scalpel and never <laughs> one does not get that. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I think that's kind of a good place to leave it. Uh, Doug, anything else you want to randomly plug before we uh, roll up on out of here? Come to the Lone Star Fodown Malifo GT, Houston, Texas. That will be October 7th through the 9th. Get your tickets now. It's going to be awesome. See who has the biggest hats. <laughs> I'm glad you said hat. Yeah. <laughs> who has the biggest hats? We're going to put our hats on the table and measure the size of our hats. That's fair. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, with that being said, make sure that you guys are flipping cards, flipping tables, and we will see you all next time.